0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Now, the big question is what is place? You ever wondered, what is place? What is it that I'm talking about? You know, a few years ago, I went on a really awesome adventure. I went to, had nine weeks, it was a nine-week holiday. I went to Europe, I went to America and I travelled with some friends and it was awesome at the best time ever. Now, I was very lucky to move through the south of France and we moved down into Italy and we landed at a place called Positano. Everyone who's been there, raise your hand and say, amen. 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 Now, the place that we stayed, you imagine, it's like little rooms that were carved into the cliff face. They were connected with a winding stair that took you down to a pool that looked out over the Mediterranean. And they continued to wind down even further to a little pebbly beach. And it was amazing. You can imagine that, right? Now, it wasn't perhaps the most, the fanciest hotel you've ever been to, but it certainly was so charmingly Italian. We would sit there for breakfast and we'd sip our espresso as we had our croissant, and we looked out the azure blue Mediterranean framed with ivory-coated Uh, Veranda with like pink and purple flowers. It was just incredible. Can you see it? It was amazing My favorite thing to do was to wind down the steps. That's right There were a lot of steps, which was fine because I ate a lot of pizza pasta and panini. That's just what you do I walked down all the steps down to the pebbly beach And I would take a lilo, because, yes, they also have lilos in America, in uh, the Mediterranean, take a lilo, and I would drift out into the sea. And you can just see it. A sunny, hot day, and as you would go out into the Mediterranean, you can actually see down into the water. It's crystal clear. It's clear. You can see the bottom, even as you go out meters. And as I would drift out and drift out and drift out, you'd pass the cliff face, and you'd look back at the cotton candy colors of Positano. It was. Heaven. This was the place that I was to live my life and stay forever. It was amazing. And as you imagine, I got hungry. (laughs) And so I had to go back in. So I moved up to the pool area and I had a glass of Prosecco and pizza pasta panini, one of whichever one I was rotating through at the time. And a few days later, I left. A few years later, It's nothing but a distant memory, but one that I treasure and hold close. (laughs) And that's life, isn't it? That I came to the realisation that a place is not a destination. Rather, it is a lifelong adventure. Because isn't that true for life? You know, you have these amazing moments, and I've heard Sam say before, it's a bit like cotton candy, it just dissolves in your mouth. We have children that grow up. We have lovers that grow old. It's okay, I'm sure they'll still be good. We have jobs that we move on from. We have houses we move in and out of or apartments. If you live in Sydney, you'll probably be in one forever. It's just how it goes. You know, this is just life. It continues to evolve and move on. The eternal clock keeps on ticking. Life is not a destination. Place is not a destination. It is a chance, a lifelong adventure. So to look at that a bit further, who's read the book, Oh, The Places You'll Go? Who's read that? Few people. Who's heard of the book, Oh, The Places You Go? Few people. Well, we've got a cool little anima... Actually, it's not really cool. We have an animation. It was a, one that was done, I think, for a charity, so it's a bit, you know, it's a bit fun, but it tells you the story anyway, so we're going to watch that now. There you go. Nonprofit study project.
1: Congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know. And you are the guy who will decide where to go. You'll look up and down streets. Look we'll 'em over with care. About some you will say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not-so-good street. And you may not find any you'll want to go down. In that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. Out there, things can happen, and frequently do, to people as brainy and footsy as you. And when things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew, just go right along. You'll start happening, too. Oh, the places you'll go. Wherever you fly, you'll be best of the best. Wherever you go, you will top all the rest. Except when you don't. Because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch and your gang will fly on. You'll be left in a lurch. You will come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted, but mostly they're darked. A place you could sprain both your elbow and chin. Do you dare to stay out? Do you dare to go in? How much can you lose? How much can you win? And if you go in, should you turn left or right? Or right and three quarters, or maybe not quite? Or go around back and sneak in from behind? Simple it's not, I'm afraid, you will find, for a mind-maker-upper to make up his mind. All alone. Whether you like it or not, alone will be something you'll be quite a lot. And when you're alone, there's a very good chance you'll meet things that scare you right out of your pants. There are some down the road between hither and yon that can scare you so much you won't want to go on. But on you will go though the weather be foul on you will go though your enemies prowl on you will go though the hacken cracks howl onward up many a frightening creek though your arms may get sore and your sneakers may leak on and on you will hike and i know you'll hike far and face up your problems whenever they are and will you succeed? Yes, you will indeed. 98 and 3 quarters percent guaranteed. Kid, you'll move mountains. So, be your name Buxbaum, or Bixby, or Bray, or Mordecai, Ali, Van Allen, O'Shea, you're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. So get on your way.
0: Random hand at the end. Get on your way. It's good, isn't it? I've read that book probably about 500 times to my daughter. I think she has a little tactic. She always goes for the the longest story to try and delay bedtime. So I've read it a few times and it's a brilliant story and I think it's a, a great picture of life, don't you think? It was written by a guy called Theodore, I think it was, wait, I can't remember, Dr Seuss is his name. And he actually released, sorry, what was it? Geisel. Excellent. Theodore Geisel. I wasn't sure how to pronounce it anyway. Now, it was released for the very first time in 1990. Can you believe that? That was 25 years ago. Oh my goodness. 25 years ago. Now, this is a man which you may not know, actually wrote it in the last years of his life. He was battling cancer at the time. And so it is very reflective. He looks at the highs and lows. And he experienced it in his professional world. His first book was rejected many times. But then he also had some great successes. There's some incredible books, Cat in the Hat. I'm sure you'll know all of the rest. And of course, he had some Highs and lows in his personal life as well. His first wife committed suicide and then not long after he wrote this while he was actually suffering cancer. So he was a guy who knew the ups and downs of life. So let's just talk about that. You can see I'm very good at writing here, aren't I? This is positive. This is negative. So how do I want you to call out here. So when we talk about, let's talk about some of the positive meanings of place for you. So just shout them out and I will attempt to write them down. So place. After watching that and some of the things that you think. Home, Home. that's a good one. And also in life, what else? Don't be shy. Content, Content? that's good. I like that. What else? Any other? Sorry? Belonging, Belonging. that's a good one. Belonging. He also had one where success would be one as well. He had a few times where he was achieving what else? Any other that you can think of? The positive ones are a little bit harder. Were you about to say something, Beck? No. Why don't you say something? <laughs> what do you think, Beck? <laughs> <my> <laughs> <little muffin. laughs> Some positive. Um, oh, we... we could do negative. Can do negative. Um, lonely? lonely. I think negative is almost easier to think of, actually. Some negative places. Anxiety, Anxiety yep. What else? Regret. Regret. That's good. By the way, this is my sister Amanda Robel. She's here all the way from Perth, so it's wonderful to have her here. Also, a good contributor. Regret. <laughs> Failure. <laughs> Failure. Yeah, that's a good one. And there was fear. The other one, which is brilliant in the book, is he goes to a waiting place. And everybody's waiting. And I thought, isn't that so true for life? Waiting for the, the pot to boil, waiting for the, someone to call, waiting for the bus to come. So, waiting. Any others? Guilt. Yep. That's good. So, when we look at this, the interest, so the big idea for tonight is how do I find my place? And how do I find my place without losing myself? Now, to I guess to put some expression to this, I've, I've created a graph. So the idea is, let's think about how when you find your place, it's the, when we find our place, it is about moving along, being adaptable. And when we're looking about whether we stay on course or whether we possibly can lose ourselves, is about being authentic. Now, I'll just show you some definitions. Thank you, Carla. You're probably doing... Oh, she's over there. It's all right. She was... So when we look at adaptability, it's about being able to change or be changed Finding our place is our movement through life How we're able to change or be changed Or, as I say, readiness for your future When we look at authenticity, it's about when we're real or genuine So we're not copied or false Now, to put some expression to this It's almost like there's four types of people in the world And I put it up there as well so you can see it the trailblazer is the person who's ready for the future and they're also authentic or they're a genuine person. So the trailblazer. Let's put this into terms that we all get because we don't want to think we're back at work. Let's talk about pop stars. Now the person that I think of when I think about who is a trailblazer, I think of Kylie Minogue. If you're an Aussie in the room, does everyone know who Kylie Minogue is? Yes. So Kylie Minogue has continued to change and evolve over the years and yet she's kept that girl next door side to her. So she continued to stay the same. A trailblazer tends to blaze the trail and they lead the way for others to follow. We've certainly seen that with her. The is person is a person who sets the trends. Often they are the ones that do it for the very first time. But when they don't have that access of authenticity, there's something that's just a little bit off-centre. And whether that comes out in perhaps how you perceive them or it, there's an aspect in their own personal life that just is not quite right. And the person that I think of here is Miley Cyrus. Can I get an amen? Now, there's nothing wrong with who she is and what she does. My interpretation of her from when she was a child star to who she is today, it just doesn't seem authentic to me. It doesn't seem real. She doesn't seem quite happy or content within herself. Now, she's probably the extreme example of that, but I'm sure you can think of in your own world a more subtle way that that would come through. Now, the person who continues to, is not necessarily ready for the future, but they are someone who is incredibly authentic. They're the traditionalists. They're wonderfully warm and cosy. They're the person that you want to be friends with at work. They're reliable. You love them. And in the music world, I think of the Wiggles. <laughs> Now, the Wiggles, you just love them. They're always the same. Some people hate them. But what is interesting about the Wiggles is that they are able to do the same thing because the kids grow up, the parents no longer have to listen. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing. (laughs) In many ways, they actually have a regenerative market that they can keep doing the same thing. But even the Wiggles had to change eventually. When you think of this in business terms, these are like your banks, This is your postal service. This is your airlines. And the problem with being a traditionalist that can happen is that if you do not change, then change will happen to you. So we only have to look at what happened with Virgin. So they came in, the airlines were happy and fat, and they dominated the entire Australian industry. Richard Branson came in, and boom! Boom! The whole airline industry has changed. And so if you think of that back in personal terms, the risk is whether you continue to change and adapt. The person down here is trapped. Now, in music terms, it's hard to think of anyone because probably they haven't even made it yet. But I'm not sure if I'm too young, and maybe this is not a nice thing to say, but I sort of think of Olivia Newton-John. Anyone else with me on this one? I don't know. It's just that I think, you know, after Sandy, what did she do? Did she ever really recover from that? I don't know, maybe it's just me. I really didn't like her with John Farnham. Could just be me. Maybe Millie Vanilli. I don't know. Does anyone old enough to remember Millie Vanilli? Look, I'm spreading the room here. No, no, Millie Vanilli. I don't know. Anyone else got an example? <laughs> There's a, it's probably that you don't know them. And that's the idea. It's the person that doesn't continue to change and has an, isn't an authentic person into who they are. So, now let's put this into some context here. Put it into a Bible story, because we are at a church. So let's talk about someone from the Bible. Let's talk about this guy that you might know. His name, you can even see it through the thing, is David. Now, I'm going to ask up my wonderful scribe, Mel. Please, would you welcome Mel to the stage? (laughs) Now, first of all, what do we know about David? And we're just going to shout it out, and Mel is going to write out some words that describe him. I'll start in... One Samuel, it describes him as ruddy with beautiful eyes and very handsome, which pretty much means he's hot and would be on The Bachelor. Now, ruddy means reddish brown, in case you want to know. I looked it up. So, ruddy. What else? What else do we know about David? Let's call it out. He was a shepherd. That's good. He was a poet. He wrote probably a lot of the Psalms, although, of course, we can never say these things as facts, but most likely. Who else has something about David? What about this? Does this give anything away? A king. Yes, that's right, Natalie. He was anointed. That's right. Anyone else? A man after God's own heart. Very good, Lydia. I like that. That's very good. Anyone else? He was fearless. Yes. He was a warrior. He was a king. He was a dad. He was a man with many wives, which is not okay today, unless you're in The Bachelor. Oh my gosh, it just keeps on going. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at his life, because I think when you look at this graph, when you look at trailblazer, trendsetter, know, it's easy to talk about a person, but when you think about your own life, the reality is, you actually would move through these at different stages of your life. Can we all? You can all almost imagine a time when you were a trailblazer and you were like on fire, and everything was going well, and you felt good about yourself, and you were totally in your sweet spot. There's other times when you just know that you're, you know, you're playing it safe. Maybe you're not quite there. You're not quite moving with it. I think we can almost all relate with a time where we felt trapped. I think that's the one where we, oh. You know, and and I don't know, I won't put you in, you don't have to nod along with me if you're a trendsetter, but maybe that happened to you. So let's talk about David's life because uh, we've got some great material that actually describes it. Now, David, I'll just get my notes here so we can look at who his story. Now, we're going to, Mel, my lovely assistant, is going to write out some words that call out who he is. So from birth to 20, 20 years, he was born of Jesse, but he does a, they don't know who his mother is. It's a shame. At 15 years, he was anointed by Samuel. So this was the story where Sam, Samuel, God told Samuel to go to Jesse. He said, who will be the anointed king? And so, of course, what did uh, Jesse do? He brought out his elder son. And God said, no, this is not... The man who will be king He brought out his next son No, 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 no Do you have any other sons? Yes I have another boy Who's out with a sheep He's very dirty But he's good looking Do you want me to bring him forward? Yes, I do And it turned out that he was the king Or the one who was anointed not as to be king, and this is he, he. So Saul, who was king at the time, was tormented by an evil spirit, and so his people said, "You know what? You just need some music, and that will make you okay." So they brought in David to be to play his harp. He was also a musician, and so David was famous in that time for playing his harp and had his famous moment where he defeats Goliath. I'm sure you all know that story, so we don't need to go there. Young years number two, twenty to thirty. Now, Saul does everyone starts to think, Hey, this David guy, good looking, but also does a lot of other great things. So I know what we'll do. We'll actually start praising David instead. And so they would say, Yay, Saul kills thousands, but David, he kills tens of thousands. And the more that people started to chant this and it continued to grow, David got quite upset, sorry, Saul got quite upset about that. And so he decided that he was going to kill David. And so many times we see that that is what happened. He became obsessed with pursuing David and his brutal and intense pursuit throughout. It was kind of a bit like an episode of Homeland. I'm not sure anyone else watched Homeland. I kind of pictured that. There was a lot of treachery. There was a lot of pursuit and a lot of violence. Saul pursues David and in fact David spares his life not once but twice. So That's interesting. So rather than David being vindictive, he spares his life. Number three, he becomes king. We don't need to go through this, but basically to say he marries a lot of women, he wins a lot of battles, there's a lot of internal dissension, but he leads strongly and ultimately then becomes the king of Judah and then the king of Israel at about 37 years old. Now, number 38 to 41 is when he has his affair with Bathsheba. So he goes up to his roof, he decides, sends off the army. He doesn't need to go anymore because he's, you know, by this stage killed hundreds of thousands He's up there having a cigarette No, I'm sure he's not having a cigarette He's just up there enjoying the view Looks over, sees a fine maiden Does not look away, keeps on looking And then tells one of his people to go and get the lady And I won't tell you what happens But some stuff goes down and she falls pregnant And you all know this story, don't you? Everyone knows what happens with Bathsheba, of course She falls pregnant Tells David He's like Oh crap What are we going to do Where's your husband We need to make it look like it's him So he brings him back from war His name is Uriah But he is faithful And so instead of going to Bathsheba He waits He says All of my buddies are at war And being killed I'm not going to go home and sleep with my wife I'm going to stand at the gates and I'm going to sleep here like a dog and to make sh- at the king's footstep. David's like, oh, crap, this is not working. So he sends him to battle and puts him at the front where he knows he will be killed and he is killed. And then what happens is he brings Bathsheba into his harem, I mean, one of his wives. And the last bit is 42 to death. He's king for 33 years in Jerusalem. Through uh, Bathsheba, he has Solomon uh, and many other children. This is a man with many kids. The reign of the kingdom, there's lots of internal issues which comes as consequences. And eventually, after much dispute, Solomon becomes king. Why don't we thank Mel, our scribe. Thank you, Mel. All right. So what we are going to do here is map these onto this. And I'll help you, because he will probably be like, what? So, youth to 20, he kills Doliath. Where do you think he'll be? Yes. Good. So when he is in his young years, and he's pursued, and he's in trouble, uh, he's an object of, he's basically, think homeland. Where would he be? Yes. He's probably more than that, but for the purpose of our demonstration today, that's where he is. When he becomes king and he's marrying and he's winning battles, where do you think he is? Yes. When he has an affair with Bathsheba? Yes. You did that all on your own. That is legendary. <laughs> and the rest, you can tell. So he's a king. He's doing well, but he's probably not doing... Where would you... Sorry? Sorry? Yes, that's what I said as well. He probably goes between here and here, I would say. So what do we observe from that? Let's take a moment to think about it. The interesting thing is, where would you say when he had found his place? Just yell out the number or two. Did you say one? Yes, this is when he's found his place, one and three. When would you say that he's lost? Two and four. And the interesting thing I think to observe from this is firstly that this is probably a reflection of our lives, that we tend to move through the different aspects. The other thing is that the time when he he was number two, when he lost his way in some ways, It was a curveball that life threw at him. So he could not have predicted that Saul wanted to kill him. He would have no idea that that was going to come. Isn't that true for us? Sometimes you get thrown a curveball and what happens? You you go off your place. You lose your way. The other thing is when you move into four, it was himself. He was the curveball. He led himself astray. He got distracted. He lost his way. So it's an interesting thing to think about. The time when he threw himself off course. And isn't that true for our lives? You know, we have the curveballs thrown at us. We have the times when we get distracted, when we lead ourselves astray. And the same thing can happen for us. The time when he found his place is when he was in the great state where he was adaptable, he was ready for change, and he continued to be authentic. And he got words like man after God's heart. So he was still a good guy, but he still had things going on in his life. And that's true for us. We still have mess-ups. We have stuff that goes up and down, but God is still with us. Now, how? How do you do it? How do you get to the point where you can find your place without losing yourself? This is the billion-dollar question. Who's got the answer? Jesus. Jesus, that's a good answer. So I've got another graph for you, and Jesus comes into it, but don't worry. So the interesting thing is when you move from trendsetter to trapped, it's, it's an idea of being able to transform the way you see yourself and your world. It's almost like an idea of perceptions, the, the perception that needs to change. When you need to transition and become ready for change and ready for the future, the thing that needs transforming is the way that you do things. It's actions. Do you like my little hand? Actions and perceptions. It's your eyes. Now, to put that into context, let's talk about David. So when he had his Bathsheba moment, when he had his trendsetter moment, it was exactly what happened to get him back on course. He had a change to his perception, the way that he does things. Now, the Lord sent Nathan to David, and, when he, and he told him a story. He, this was basically the story. There was two men. One man was very rich. He had lots of lambs and lots of sheep. There was another man who was very poor, but he had a little lamby that he loved so much. He would take the lamb with him down the street. He would stroke the lamb. He would take the lamb to bed maybe. He would look after the lamb and he loved the lamb. One day a man comes into town and he visits the rich man. And so the rich man says, you need lamb, buddy. What does he do? Does he go out to his sheep and his lamb? No, he thinks, hmm, why kill one of mine when that poor sucker over there has one that looks particularly tasty and is well looked after. So he goes over and takes the lamb from the poor man and feeds it up as lunch. When David heard that story, he burned with anger. He said, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did a thing with no pity. And what do you think Nathan said to him? He said, you are that man. You are the man who had wealth. You are the man that had empires. You are the man that had winning army and women and everything that I gave you. And you took that one man's that he loved you are the man and in an instant he changed and that is how powerful our perceptions the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see our world and when he was in this story when he was in this area here when he was two sorry when he was trapped again it was it's when you come from here you need both a perception change and an action change You need to change actions. As I said, most of the books, most of the Psalms in this book are written by David. And you know what they sound like. They're a little bit like, oh God, this crap. I'm getting beaten up. People hate me. Everyone's on every side. That's just my paraphrase. Oh, but I love you and my hope is in you and I trust you. What happened? Perception, a change, just like that. But he also needed action. He needed to move or he would be killed. He needed to climb out of windows or he would be killed. He needed to make alliances. He needed to make friends. He needed to be strategic to become the king. And that is what happened. And can you put yourself onto the graph? I'm not sure where you are at the moment Whether you are in this state where you're like, you know what, things are going okay, but I need a change. I know that there's something in my life that I need to take action on. Maybe this is where you feel that you are. And these are the steps, action. Maybe for some of you, you're like, I'm living a fast-paced life and something is off and I just know it. Something in my life is off-center. And whether someone's saying it to you or you just know it in yourself, and you need a perception change. Something needs to change in the way you see your world. Maybe you're feeling like you're down in this area right now. And it's okay, because we've all been there. We've all had our time in Trapsville. And it is about, there's things that you can do, and there's a way of seeing your world. And you know, for me, I remember there was a time when I was sitting in Centennial Park. I remember sitting on a park bench And it was a lovely day, the birds were chirping, there was bouncy kids going past in prams. It was great. And yet, there I was, sitting, motionless, staring. I was at a crisis point. My whole world felt like it was imploding. I just had my heart broken I had lots of friends. I had, you know, fast-paced life and fun and family and all these great things. And yet I felt so lonely. There was a part of me that I didn't even really know who I was. And I think I was looking for something in people around me. I was looking for something in guys. I was looking for something in my friends. I was looking for something in all of these people and I couldn't find what would make me whole. You know, my future, it felt, it felt weighty. My past felt full of shame. And my today felt so bleak. I was trapped. And there was a bit of sunlight that caught a glint of my eye on the water. And I looked up. I heard the birds jostling and fighting over food, and couldn't help but smile. I felt the sun. I felt the breath of wind. And I just looked up from what was I was in at that moment. And I had a thought. You know, if I wake up tomorrow and I thought a different way, I could be a different person. You know, couldn't I... Seeing the things My world The people Couldn't it be the way that I was seeing my world That was holding me back in this moment Was I not full of great riches And great opportunities Could it be that I possessed what I needed To make the change In fact Was I not the only person who could It seems a simple story, but for me, change happened in an instant. And what happened? I had a perception change. I changed the way I saw my world. And like that, I began to change. I began to rethink the way that I saw my world, rethink the things that I was grateful for, rethink the things that were available to me. And look, I know that this is not as easy as... as you know, me just saying something to you right now. I know that there's a lot to this. And I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to look at some resources. And all I'm going to do is throw a stone along the surface. So I'm just going to skim it, and we'll have the opportunity for you to follow up and look at some other resources. Now, for me, when I talk about perceptions, again, there's a great body of work out there. There's a lot of things you can look up. And I'll just give you simply what works for me. When I talk about resources, here's something you'll recognise... It's about your value, knowing why you matter. It's about your identity, knowing who you are. It's about your purpose, knowing what you're created for. When I talk about the resources for action, I look at the three, actually, let me go back on this one, perceptions. I almost think it's a bit like looking in a mirror because when you look in a mirror, I think, part of the time the problem is not the person, it's the perception. It's almost like you need to get in there and give what is reflecting back at you a good clean. There's a whole lot of crap that you've thrown at yourself. There's a whole lot of crap that you've let someone else throw at you. There's a whole lot of crap that just does not belong to be there and it is not you. And sometimes it just takes a good clean to change the way you see yourself. When we talk about actions, and I'll come back to this, I look at the 3D model, about decision, about design, about direction. So this is you and you're looking at how you can change. Now maybe let's take into account if you need to go on a diet or you need to get healthy. Now recently, I had the delight and pleasure of someone saying to me, you know what? If you're trying to hide a baby, you probably should wear a different top. I was like, sweetheart, this is no baby. This is a lot of burgers. <laughs> and I made a decision. I needed to do some exercise. <laughs> now, the next thing to think about is your design. If I haven't been running marathons, if I've been couch surfing, as perhaps I had, then I was not ready to run a 44 or 42k marathon or go on a dragon boat like Catherine. Maybe what I needed, I needed direction, and my direction, and Karen knows, is boot camp on Monday and Wednesday morning or Monday and Friday at 6 a.m. And this is why I'm wearing the white jeans, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so these, there's a decision, there's a design, and there's a direction. Now, if you look at what this little thing, you have to go with me. What can you see? What can you see? A propeller. It looks a little bit like a propeller, doesn't it? And when you have both your perception and your actions moving, you've got you're your take- ready to take off, baby. You've got take off. Now, when I turn the propeller, what can you see? What's the one thing you can see? The middle. Yes, the middle. The center. I really love this. I have like a, a nervous tick that I like want to keep turning it all the time, huh? Love it, love it. (laughs) You see the center. Now, I did some Googling. I don't know much about engineering or propellers. I did some Googling, and what it tells me is the center part is called the boss. Isn't that awesome? It's also called the hub and some other stuff, but I really liked the boss. This is called the boss. And it is the most important part of the propeller because it holds the blades together. Michael's laughing because he's told me a lot about this. Michael's here as my coach, by the way. Thank you, Michael, as one of the only men. And Robin, who's out there on concierge. So the, the, it holds the blades together and it, is, it connects to the screw, which is the power source. Michael, please correct me later. But it is the boss. It's the most important part. And the question is, when you look at your perceptions and your actions, maybe as I was talking, you were like, oh, that just just sounds like a lot of stuff. What drives your life is your boss. Now, for me, what drives my life is my God. And I've been to, you know, there's great ways to help Get help, there's great ways There's lots of education and literature And I believe in all of those things But the thing that directs and drives my life Is my God And what happened several times after my incident in Centennial Park was I found God and he was the one who transformed my life. Now going back to these things and when we talk about resources because you can get resources out there and my sister is a GP she has awesome stuff and I will read all of her stuff and I will put it into a book later when I reference it but for now looking at value identity purpose in fact comes from Ephesians 2.10. Now Ephesians 2.10 is It says, for you are God's, yes, workmanship or masterpiece is what I like. Masterpiece. He says that when you look back in the mirror, you are one of a kind. You are timeless. You are priceless. You are full of infinite colors and beauty. There is only one like you. You are a masterpiece. He says, made in Christ Jesus. You have an idea.'" Identity. He, For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. We don't have a process. We have a person. And that person has given you an identity. You have an inheritance. You have skills and abilities available to you. You have power. You have a Holy Spirit that indwells within you. You have identity in Christ. And there's a lot of literature we can talk about on that. Purpose that he created you with a purpose for works that he planned long ago he has a purpose for your life he's given you skills and abilities he's given you desires and gifts And all of those weigh up to a purpose that is specifically for Mimi, specifically for Kristen, specifically for Ash, specifically for every single one of you. When we talk about decisions, we won't go into that decision. When you make a decision, he'll transform your life. Design. As I said, he gives you a blueprint for life. Process, a person, not a process. He gives you resources. He gives you an anchor in hard times. He gives you direction. We all know, Jeremiah 29.10, say it with me. Plans to have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, for a hope and for a future. Your life has a direction. Your life has a purpose. We do have a free will, but when you follow his direction, he promises life and life in abundance. And this is the hope that we have. So propeller, what is at the center of your life? And maybe for some of you, you're thinking, you know, I don't really believe in this whole God stuff not really sure about it, God is not at my centre. And in fact, I would say to you that if God is not your centre, someone or something is. There is something that is driving your life. And so I ask you the question, who or what is most important to you? Because this will often tend to tell you who is directing your life. So I've got a few things, and I won't go into this again, the skim-storing, and I'm probably really late. Who or what is most important to you? Is it family? Is it your career? Is it not being alone? Is it your relationship? Is it health? And these are all really important things. But when they become the most important thing, the ultimate thing, they will direct, they will drive your life. They will determine how you see yourself and how you act. Because what happens? Family, as I said, family grows up. Family moves out. If they're the most important thing to you and you are their mother, what happens to you when you have more children? What ha- For me, it's probably a great thing. Woohoo! we're going to Europe. That's what my mum's doing. I'm going to Japan. i have got to my children. Korea. You know, recently I was made redundant. I've been at Westpac a really long time. Finally I'm out. What happens? My identity is in the pack Then who am I when I leave there? If my identity is in not being alone or being with someone, what happens if, God forbid, you don't find someone? What happens if, God forbid, something happens to your partner? What happens if, God forbid, your marriage breaks down or something of that nature happens? What about your health? If health is your most important thing or security or comfort or whatever your thing is, what happens when the eternal clock keeps ticking? What is most important to you? So I ask you again, what is at your centre? What is driving your life? What is most important to you? And you know what else is essential for finding our place without losing ourselves? Coming back up, everyone. What else is essential? Us. All of us, every one of us, because if you take the propeller example, it's great if you've got perceptions, you've got actions, you've got God at the centre. If you put it on a boat, what happens if you don't care or look or even consider anyone else? They will run into you or you will run into them or you will run aground. That big old ferry will just slam on over the top of you. We need to be aware of each other both for how we can support each other. Because God didn't just give us a person, he gave us a church. And thank God for the church. Thank God for you guys. This is, an, you know, When I first stepped into this environment, it was an others-focused environment. I couldn't believe that people weren't interested in themselves. It wasn't for self-gain. It was because they cared about who I was. They were others-focused. And that is what this community is all about. It's about supporting each other, about doing the journey together. And I love this imagery sticking on the boat theme, that we're better together. We become like a flotilla. You know, we have purpose, baby, and we are doing it together, and we will be so much more effective when we're doing it together. We build up our community so we can serve our community. So ultimately, we can change the world together. It's pretty good, hey? It's a good hope. And that's what this year has been all about, as Carmen said, we're better together. Now, it has been my pleasure to speak with you tonight, and to put it in summary, what How do you find your place without losing yourself? As we said, most of us look for some sort of purpose or hope or joy in our life. But we know that place is not a point in time. It is an ongoing adventure. And when we're trying to find our place, we can do that by... Being adaptable or ready to change, and we can do it by, we can stay on course and not lose ourselves by keeping who we are. We also know that we're going to go through lots of these throughout our life. And how do we change? We do it by changing the way we see the world and changing the things that we do. But what's most important is what is at our centre. If God is at your centre, you will find your place without losing yourself. Maybe some of you think, God is not at my centre. I ask you, what would it cost if God was at your centre? What, How could your life change? What hope could be in store if you tried? If God is not at your centre, what is most important to you? Maybe for some of you, you think, actually, you know, things have gotten a bit out of kilter with my life and I need to think about that and think about how I put him back at the centre where he does belong. Now, if we don't put God at the centre, then we know That when life throws those curveballs, because we know that it's going to, and we'll be knocked down and our recovery time is so much longer or we may never come back. If God is at our centre, then He promises life and life in abundance. I love my favourite verse. "Is now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can hope or imagine. To Him be the glory. So... Be your name Belinda or Amber or Joe Kay. Be your name Lydia or Kate or Steph or Shelley. We're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. So get on your way. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.